Hello and welcome to Women on the Line, a national women's current affairs program providing a gender analysis of contemporary issues from Australia and internationally. I'm Giselle Hanna. I attended the Listen Feminist Conference in Melbourne on the weekend of the 14th, 15th and 16th of October. Listen exists to spark and cultivate a conversation from a feminist perspective around the experiences of marginalised people in Australian music. Beginning with a website to share experiences as stories, rants, ephemera and mixed tapes and leading to a printed anthology, Listen is here to encourage more equal participation in the music industry. One of the keynote addresses was delivered by feminist commentator Clementine Ford and this week we bring you the conclusion of that speech. Clementine Ford is an Australian feminist writer, broadcaster and public speaker. She has a regular column in Daily Life, and in 2015, Ford received abusive messages online and responded by making some of these messages public. In September 2016, Clementine Ford released her debut book, Fight Like a Girl, and she read the final chapter of this book to the conference. This isn't the same as forcing them to take personal responsibility for everything that happens, although a lot of them will argue that this is exactly what you're doing. They do this in order to justify blocking their ears against what you're saying. A lot of them don't want to know about it because they want to believe it has nothing to do with them. But they don't live outside of the system. They can continue to do nothing within that system. But doing nothing to change the powers of the structures of power that benefit them is just as bad as being part of the mechanism that keeps those structures in place. Some of these people will tell you that this is all well and good, that your anger isn't helping your cause. They'll try to convince you that this anger is is just pushing people away. People who would be otherwise interested in helping to create change, but who are put off because you made it so hard for them. Again, it's not your responsibility to cushion the blow. Most of the people you'll be having these conversations with are adults. So why are they expecting to be treated like children? Being angry isn't the same as being hostile or erratic. You can be patient while you walk people through this information but you don't have to hold their hands or make sure their feelings are protected. And for that matter, you don't even need to be that patient. All that does is give them permission to keep ignoring the gravity of the situation. If excessive care on your part encourages their belief that things aren't really that bad, they'll have all the excuse they need to to refrain from doing anything about it. Besides, why should we take it upon ourselves to look after everyone else's feelings when no one ever looks after ours? Instead, we hear endless variations of, you're overreacting, or stop being so sensitive, or toughen up, or, and I love this line, by which I mean it needs to be loaded into my magic desert sun cannon and blasted into space. Your experience of that event is incorrect. Let me explain to you what actually happened, even though I wasn't there. The idea that women are protected from the world by men better equipped than we are to withstand its reality is a myth. No one is wrapped more tightly in cotton wool than those men who express hostility towards feminism and everyone else's rights. No one demands greater care when dealing with their feelings than the men who scream, not all men. No one sets up parody accounts and trolling websites faster than the men whose entire argument is built on the back of the complaint that women are too sensitive. And if we're going to talk about anger, hostility and extreme emotional overreactions, No one displays any of those things in greater quantities than the men who hate women, and feminists especially, 
so much so that they dedicate hours every day to harassing us, abusing us, and monitoring every single thing we say to use as evidence of some greater conspiracy against men's freedom. This aggression is palpable and obsessive. The intention of the people who wield it is to silence and scare us. And I'm angry about that. In fact, I'm not just angry about it. I'm furious. It's as if a laser beam created from the mountain dew sweat of aggrieved men is beamed all around the world to rally the troops whenever a woman opens her mouth. Amber alert, Amber alert. A woman is speaking about feminism. Quick, let's find her home address and post it online so we can teach her a lesson. These men are consumed by an anger so intense that it's actually frightening. And that makes me furious too. The human race is thousands and thousands of years old. And yet there are some people so terrified of losing the marginal grip on power their masculinity has given them, they devote their time and energy to telling women that if we don't shut up, someone will find us, rape us, kill us, and then gloat about the victory to each other to teach other women a lesson. The good thing is that you don't have to listen. No matter how much these people try to force you to, and they will, whether your interaction happens online or off, you do not have to listen. Because in addition to it being okay for you to be angry, it's also okay for you to shut down conversations with people you don't want to talk to. <clears throat> you are not required to stand there and nod politely as anyone lectures you on why anything that affects your life is a myth. It doesn't make your experience of life any less real or true if you walk away from sanctimonious dickheads. They don't want to have a discussion with you. Their only objective is to get you to admit you're wrong. I know exactly how frustrating and disempowering this is, because I experience it as a woman, and I've spent my life, as many women have and many other people, being taught to doubt my feelings and instincts. I'm angry about the number of us who write, to, I'm angry about the number of women who write to me to recount tedious conversations with arrogant men who won't let them get a word in edgeways, but who ultimately succeed in making these women second guess themselves because you're overreacting may as well be the first sentence we hear after, it's a girl. <laughs> I used to feel obligated to participate in these discussions, but I grew so frustrated at being spoken over, lectured, and explained to, that eventually I decided to stop doing it. Except in the rare situations where a dialogue has been initiated by someone who genuinely wants to learn more, even if they don't ultimately end up agreeing with everything said, which is their right, these conversations are mostly pointless. Nothing is achieved beyond yet more of your precious time being wasted on people who aren't there in good faith and don't have any interest in listening to anything you have to say. I might still have to deal with incessant demands that I defend my position, but I have the choice to ignore them. I used to think that doing so meant I was letting the side down or missing a valuable opportunity to educate, but then I realised you can lead a man to thought, but you cannot make him think. <laughs> This was a huge moment for me. Not only did it free up a lot of time, it also liberated me from a lot of the emotional trauma that came from being constantly ambushed by men's rights activists and other dingleberries. I can't tell you how satisfying it is to watch them grow more and more infuriated at being ignored, or worse, made fun of. Truly, it gives me a lot of pleasure, and in this world we take what we can get. So you can walk away, walk away before the conversation even starts, Shut it down if they keep trying to goad you into it. Don't answer them and don't rise to the bait when they tell you that your refusal to engage is just further evidence that you have no argument. 
your status as a woman being the first and most damning proof of this. Face it, they already think you're full of shit anyway, and they're just chomping at the bit to tell you how there's no such thing as sexism, feminism is over, most sensible women know that it's ridiculous, you just want superiority, you're just angry because you're ugly, if you gave it up you could get a boyfriend, and my personal favourite, real feminists would be turning in their graves over what the movement's become. Because the suffragettes, all of whom exactly encountered exactly the same kind of paternalistic lectures from whiny man, ba man babies, were traditionally super into standing there and listening politely while men spoke at them. Like I said, it's okay to walk away. It's okay to ignore men, especially when they're furiously trying to put you back into the tiny little box they need to carry you around in so that they can feel comfortable in, and in control. It's okay to block them on Facebook and Twitter, to delete their emails without reading them, to tell them to fuck off on Tinder, and basically to do whatever else you think is necessary to keep their toxic bullshit from seeping into your life. You're allowed to do all of these things. <laughs> it doesn't make you weak. It doesn't make you an enemy of free speech like some will argue. As if closing the door on a travelling evangelist who keeps yelling about how much of a fat cunt you are is an egregious form of censorship that shows how much you hate democracy. <laughs> In fact, block with abandon. Walk away gleefully. Don't let people with shitty intentions suck your energy from you. Why should they have free access to it, especially when you get absolutely nothing from them in return and you already have limited supplies? It's okay for you to do all of these things. It's okay for you to acknowledge your rage and give voice to it. It's okay for you to deny anyone your time and energy. It's okay not to care if anyone thinks you're fat and ugly. You are not responsible for other people's insecurities or the way they try to use them against you. It's okay for you to disagree with men. It's okay for you to tell men to fuck off. It is really fucking okay for you to tell men to fuck off. <laughs> Sometimes those two words are the only thing you need. I like to use them when someone's taken the time to send me an incomprehensible, illegible treatise on the dangers of feminism, or how women have infiltrated the government and are now putting steps in place to prepare for the matriarchy. <laughs> it's okay for you to make fun of them when they try to pick on you, or to pick you up to tease them when they act as if their approval has any bearing on your life whatsoever. It's okay for you to reject their attentions, to say no without explanation. You don't have to fabricate a boyfriend to make it easier for them to accept, accept your lack of interest, as tempting as it might be, or as easier as it might seem. Men shouldn't need to view you as the property of another man in order to respect your wishes. You don't owe them anything. And of course this can be dangerous. There are countless recorded cases of men killing women because they wouldn't go out with them. Um, uh, the website When Women Refuse is a good one, but steal yourself for it. Elliot Roger wrote an entire manifesto about that and then went on a killing spree in Isla Vista, California. It's terrifying, I get that. But you still don't owe it to them to ease the pain of rejection. It's okay for you to have conversations about the pain and abuse that's inflicted on women without also having to acknowledge that these things happen to men too. Yes, men can be victimised. Yes, men can be raped. Yes, men can be targeted by family violence. These are terrible things, and help should be given to the victims and survivors of such atrocities. But none of that negates the reality that women are victimised in different and more sustained ways, and the constant interruption to and attempts to derail that dialogue is just another form of violence. Why is it always seen as the responsibility of women to take on the burden of everyone else's emotional labour even and especially when it means putting our own problems to the side. 
History is one long laundry list of men's problems being put front and centre. In fact, women are the ones who have always led the charge to defend men from violence. Sorry. No, sorry, I'm not saying <laughs> Sorry, sorry. I'm almost finished. Um, in fact, women are the ones who have always led the charge to defend men from violence. It was largely women, mothers, wives, sisters and socialists, who marched against war and the policies of conscription that sent young men off to die and kill for colonialist governments. It's largely women who do the work of healing their broken communities. Women have always taken care of everyone else and will likely continue to do so. But the moment we start organising ourselves to address the serious systemic issues that see us hospitalised and or put in the ground, we're suddenly vilified for ignoring the bigger picture while greedily siphoning off all of the available funds into our own cause. Uh, didn't you hear that feminism is a billion dollar industry? <laughs> Such a claim is ridiculous. Do you know how many women's health organisations and refuges have been defunded in the last decade? Compare that with a nationwide response whenever a young lad is randomly attacked on a city street and left to die. That situation is so intolerable to us as a nation, as it should be, that we even came up with a new phrase to replace the former description of being king hit. Now these people suffer a coward's punch because there can be nothing more cowardly than punching a man in the back of the head when he's trying to enjoy a night out. I have no objection to the rebranding of that behaviour because it's despicable and my heart breaks for the families who've lost sons and brothers to that kind of violence. I think it's commendable that our government has responded to it in such a proactive way. But domestic violence is still called domestic violence. Men who kill their wives or families and then themselves are still valorised in newspapers, praised for being good blokes and family men. Their old coaches and community sporting teams are still sought for comment on what wonderful team players they were. Everyone talks about what a terrible tragedy it was all round. We are put in the ground and the feminists who campaign against these atrocities are abused for making it all about us. So embrace your anger. Don't be pretty little flowers decorating the hallways of life. We've spent far too long burying our anger deep beneath these roots in the hope that we could stop it from affecting our blooms. But all it's resulted in is failure to thrive. If you are a person living in this world and you're not angry, you're not paying enough attention. Not to your own life, not to the lives of other people, and not to the lives of everyone else who come after us. So be angry, be rageful, be loud, be unrepentant, be assertive, be aggressive, be the kind of she-beast and she-demon that trains her fire-filled eyes on the male gaze and burns it down. Be everything that we're always told not to be, and commit to giving zero fucks about who, or, who may or may not have a problem with that because it's okay to be angry. It is fucking okay. Thank you. Why they spend so much energy just trying to yeah. 
I think that roughly they, I, I would probably, I've got no research to back this up, but just from my personal experience, they seem to be somewhere in the dominant age group of around 16 to 35, I'd say, white, um, cis men, heterosexual, um, but occasionally a gay man slips in there and then uses the fact that he's gay to, as a reason that what he's saying isn't offensive or abusive or misogynistic at all. Um, I suspect that a lot of them... So I'm going to answer that by, by saying something else that happened to me this week. And I spoke at a school on Monday morning, and I hate speaking at schools because I find Year 10s especially, who I was speaking to, quite a terrifying group of people. Um, it's all right when you're speaking to... Uh, it's all right when I'm just speaking to a girls' school, even though there's obviously problems with that. But I see so much of my own experience as a teenage girl replicated in those rooms where the boys are saying, you know, they're sort of like standing and saying, there's no problem, there's no problem, and dominating all the space. And the girls are sitting there backing them up because that's the way that they feel like they can get some power in that situation. Or certainly that's how I felt when I was a teenage girl. And so I spoke at the school and it was a horrible experience and I left and went home that night. And a group of the school students, a group of the boys, started a message thread on Facebook, which happens to me sometimes randomly, like a group of teenage boys will start like a, a weird long message thread where most of it is just banal, irrelevant, nothing talk, but then occasionally they'll slip in some disgusting sexism or like jokes about sandwiches and then one of them will add me to the group because as a friend of mine said, it's like them saying, oh, I'm going to add her so she can come and see this giant poo that we've all just done. Um, <laughs> Look at the poo! <laughs> and I've never really paid that much attention to it other than to think that it was just a really weird, strange thing that happened to me, kind of like how one of the weirdest things that I'm trolled about online is, um, it's so bizarre. I don't know how, but some, some time ago, I like incurred the wrath of one Christina Aguilera fan. <laughs> and she's like gotten all of the fighters on, on, so just every so often, like every few months, it'll just flare up and I'll just have a thousand Christina Aguilera fans just in my mentions talking about how shit I am. And I don't know why, I've never been able to figure it out. Um, anyway, so they added me to this message thread and it was, it was sort of, it was pretty gross, but it wasn't like the grossest thing I've ever seen, but they, you know, they were... They were joking about, um, because I'd, I'd shared with them a lot of statistics about violence, they were saying things like, oh, every time a man says a sexist joke, a woman dies. Um, and then, you know, a lot of commentary about how ugly and disgusting I was. And um, I thought, why have they added me to this? You know, because I, I have more power than they do in this situation. I can, I can take screenshots of all this and take it to their school, which I did. And, and then I was talking about it with a friend, and she said, well, this sounds to me like, which I'd not even thought of, this sounds to me like how kids are bullying each other these days is by starting message threads. And, and of course, like once I heard that, it made a lot of sense. And just continually adding the people to it because there's really no escape from that. They just have to keep looking at these things that are being said about them. And I thought, wow, like that is... So a lot of trolls are teenage boys, but obviously they become men if you're talking about that dominant kind of idea of what the troll is. Um, and they're being bred with this weird sense of entitlement where they think that they can include like an adult person who has no responsibility to them, who certainly doesn't need to be f afraid of them 
include her in a thread where there'll be no consequences for her at all. Like the last message that I saw before one of them obviously was like, oh shit, this is a bad idea. Let's, <laughs> let's get her off of this thread. Was um, they like photoshopped a picture of me with like a Snapchat um, caption on it saying something like, that time in 2016 when a group of year 10s roasted that bitch Clementine Ford. <laughs> And I was like, well, that time when she screen-capped it and took it to your school principal and hopefully got you suspended. Um, I don't know. It just seems... So I, I sort of feel like I'm telling that story because I feel like that underpins a lot of the sense of... just this, this absolute sense of entitlement to say whatever they want. And the other thing is that... Um, like, I, I, I think sometimes they're just so infuriated at the existence of people threatening their worldview and threatening their power, that they have to lash out, obviously. Obviously, that's it. And sometimes some people seem to just do it for a hobby. Some people seem to do it because they genuinely get off on it. Like, I've got at least three people. It's not a huge amount of people, but at least three men who I've blocked and have blocked a long time ago on Twitter, but they search my name every day and respond to every person who tweets at me. And I just feel like, 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 where are you getting this time from? Like, why do you have this... It's quite scary, actually, to have that level of an obsession with someone. Um, and the other thing as well, to kind of, like, bring that question back, is that I've been noticing with this, this story this week about the guy on the tram that, you know, all, all the internet diagnosed him as having autism. And I spoke to a family member of his. He doesn't have autism. There are other issues going on, but... Um, I think that that woman was right to feel threatened by him on the tram based on what I've found out. Um, or right to feel like he was in her personal space, for sure. Um, but because they've decided that this diagnosis exists for them, and they're, they're now all of a sudden interested in defending disabled people, or to defend, you know, like even the fact that they're calling an autistic person mentally handicapped, um, because they're such like fierce defenders of anyone who's outside of the well, I don't think they'd even know the word neurotypical, but um, or know to use it or whatever. But it doesn't matter that um, it doesn't matter that he, that none of that is true because that is the truth now. That's the narrative that's out there. And even when I, I wrote about it yesterday and I included in an article that I had spoken to a family member who had denied that this was the case, and included references to the appearances that he'd had in magistrate courts. Even now, people are saying, well, it, you know, family members lie. Family members lie about autism. And, you know, how do you know? How do you know? Like, and, and still, like, this is the truth now that's out there. And, and I find that really scary because trolling is one thing. But when actual reality is being twisted and being misrepresented and, and all of a sudden it doesn't matter what the truth is anymore because to a lot of people, this is what happened. And it's kind of like that whole thing... Like, in five years' time, people will be talking about me as the woman who bullied an autistic man on a tram in Melbourne. When I, I just shared a post, you know? And that's, and that's kind of where it all sort of spawns from, I think. And they, and they... I think the other disturbing thing about it, using that particular example, but it, it happens across the board, is that they actually want... They want the situation to be that a genuinely... Um, because, they're, because they're confusing autism with an intellectual disability that makes them childlike. So I'm just going on that premise. They want the situation to be that a man who has an intellectual disability that makes him childlike was abused on a tram because that allows them to abuse feminists. They want harm to have happened to someone 
to justify the harm that they're doing. And I find that pretty gross and frightening. Um, but I don't really understand the mindset of them. Or The only thing I can broadly say is that anyone who reacts so strongly against people who are just advocating for the rights of anyone else is just threatened about what it means for their place in, in the structures of power. Many of them probably don't even have that much power, but rather than fighting alongside feminists to dismantle that so that they can have some different kind of identity and reality, instead they've just decided that the way that they can get power amongst other men is by oppressing the people who they perceive as weaker than them. That was the final part of a two-part special of Clementine Ford reading the final chapter of her debut book, Fighting Like a Girl, at the Listen Conference. Fight Like a Girl is available at bookstores across Australia as well as online. Additionally, if you want to learn more about Listen, go to their website, which is listenlistenlisten.org. A big thank you to the conference organisers for the use of their audio. And that's all we have time for on today's program. Women on the Line is produced in the Melbourne studios of Community Radio 3CR with the financial assistance of the Community Broadcasting Foundation. The show is distributed nationally via the Community Radio Network with special thanks to the Community Broadcasting Association of Australia. If you want to get in touch with the producers of the show, you can write to us at womenontheline at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Twitter or like our page on Facebook. If you want to hear this show again or any of our previous programs, you can download the podcast from 3CR's website, 3cr.org.au, and that's the digit 3, not spelt out in letters. Go to the Women on the Line page and follow the links to this week's show. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Giselle Hanna, and I look forward to your company again next week. Music